Good morning. How's everybody doing? Are we holding up? I think we are. It's nice to see so many of, I can't really call them children anymore. They've grown up. But uh, Terry and Michelle and their little babies that are here, I don't know about y'all. Some people don't like it. But when those babies start crying, that's music to my ears. Because that's our future. That's the future of the church. And we're so happy that everybody is here this morning. And judging by the looks, I'd say that we all fared pretty well. We've made it through this hectic season. We can sit back. We can relax. Well, here in just a few moments. Because... We only have 364 more days before we get to do this all over again. So keep that in your thoughts. Today's a day for fellowship, together to make new memories with family. And uh, I'll try not to keep us too long this morning because we still have a hectic day to get through. And besides, Andy and Tutton have some new gifts that Papa just wants to try out. But uh, for some, today is the end of a hectic season, and for some, sadly, it uh, means that they can stop remembering our Lord and Savior Jesus. They can put Him on the back burner until Easter arrives next spring. That's what many people do, only think of Christ two times a year. And that's a sad statement in and of itself, but why choose today as his birthday? I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us it's December the 25th, but God does give us a time frame of when Jesus was born. It's found in Luke chapter 2, and it reads, at the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And that's all we have. But let's be realistic. During the Christmas season, most people's thoughts aren't centered on Jesus. Their focus is on the giving and receiving of gifts. And when I see those expressions on their faces, well, the image that most often pops into my head, well, it's from Ralphie, from A Christmas Story. Remember the movie? Remember he went around telling everybody, including Santa Claus, what he wanted for Christmas? All he wanted was a Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and a thing that tells time. And, of course, everyone that uh, he told that, he received a rebuke, didn't he? Now, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. But we observe Jesus' birth once a year something he didn't ask us to do. Jesus told us to celebrate his death instead, which Paul explained very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. 
On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And so while the rest of the world celebrates Jesus' birth once a year, we honor our Savior's request every first day of the week. A special time to be in fellowship with him, to remember his teachings, his love for us, his commandments. Just like we did a few moments ago, Brother Irvin. Now, don't get me wrong. The giving of gifts is a good thing. Why? Because the act displays love for someone other than yourself. Comes from your heart. It tells them just how much you care for them. Which is why I consider the gift of salvation to be the greatest gift ever known. Now, the act of giving a gift requires certain steps to be taken. This typically involves five stages. First, there's the planning, the recipient, the occasion for the gift, the selection, and finally the acceptance of the gift. And with these criteria in mind, let's uh, apply them to the greatest gift. First, let's look at the planning stage. When did God devise this great plan of his? When was it conceived? Paul reveals it in two of his letters. The first is in Romans 16. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. And in his letter to Timothy, he writes, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of us plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. God knew what was going to happen in the garden with Adam and Eve. He knew Satan would tempt man far beyond his capacity to resist sin. So from before the beginning of time, he set his plan into motion. This plan also revealed the recipient and the occasion for the gift. Peter points this out in his very first letter. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, and God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. <clears throat> now after choosing the recipient and the occasion, well, God had to select his gift, and there could only be one choice. 
the one who's been by his side since time began. We can see this from John chapter 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus was the perfect gift, the unblemished Lamb of God. Romans 6.23, Paul explains this clearly when he said that the gift of eternal life is the free gift of God. But is it truly free? I mean, really? Because it came with a high cost to so many. Today, we measure all of our gifts based on monetary value, don't we? Believing that the more that we spend on the gift, the better it's going to be appreciated. The more we're going to be loved for giving that gift to someone. Well, in this case, the greatest gift came at a cost that was far too great. The price for that gift cost more than the world will ever understand, let alone comprehend. What did it cost God the Father? Well, it cost him his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. What did it cost the son? cost him his life, life of servitude, shame, agony, and pain. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew twenty twenty eight. What did it cost the Holy Spirit? Continual grief from an ungrateful and stubborn people who refused to accept this free gift from a loving God. That's bad. Now, when we receive a gift from someone, it comes with no strings attached, usually. In some cases, it can be. There's no cost to us by accepting that person's gift. But this is where the greatest gift from God differs in that regard. Becomes it it comes with a very steep price to the recipient. That's you and me, folks. It cost us the denial of ourselves in order to serve Christ. And the Apostle Paul, who gladly paid that cost, expressed this vividly in Philippians 3. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the value of knowing Christ. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. 
Paul deeply believed, and we should also, that nothing this world has to offer can ever compare to knowing Christ, receiving the gift of eternal salvation. Yes, we we have to deny ourselves and live for Christ daily. Sadly, that's a price many are unwilling to pay today. Some believe, well, they should be able to go ahead and accept this free gift from God with no strings attached, no obligations after baptism, one and done, so to speak. Well, that's not how it works. Not with this gift. Once you accept it, you've made an obligation, a devotion for the rest of your life. Another thing that we overlook about this gift is that it comes with a caveat. We aren't to keep it to ourselves. We're to share it with others. To let our friends and neighbors know just how much God really, really loves them. I told you this was going to be short to the point because God's message is clear. We've all been sitting out here studying it every day. We know what God wants from us. We know how much he loves us. So the question this morning that I pose to you is, have you accepted this gift from God? And if not, well, I certainly hope it's not because you think that cost is too high. Because you may want to reconsider that thinking. This world is temporary. Fleeting. It's going to be gone before you know it. Just yesterday, I was 16 years old. It's gone. You need to weigh the costs of this world against the rewards that await you in heaven. So please, don't hesitate any longer. If you've been thinking about this, all this world has to offer is pain and suffering. Or maybe you've already accepted his gift this morning, but you haven't appreciated it as much as you ought to. Maybe you haven't done too much with it. Today's the day to correct that mistake, I guarantee you. But whatever your desires may be this morning, I ask you to come make them known while together we stand and sing.